Okay, we're starting here at the bottom of Chovavam Medbet by the two dots. Rabbi Yudah Meir Adar Bashot. Yudah says that the time for Shachrit goes until the fourth hour. Ibaiduhu Ad Vad Bichlal Odil Ma'ad Veload Bichlal. When Rabbi Yudah says Ad Arbashot, does that mean including the fourth hour itself, or until the fourth hour, the beginning of the fourth hour, which means three hours? Then when you begin the fourth hour, already that's the end of Zman Shachrit. Or does it mean including the entire fourth hour? Basically, until the beginning of the fifth hour. So the Umar says, Tashma, Rabbi Yehuda Mer, Ad Plaga Mincha. Rabbi Yehuda says you can have Mincha until halfway through Mincha Ketana. If you say that it does not include the amount itself, meaning only until, but not including, then it makes sense that that's the difference in the opinion between Rabbi Yudah and Rabbanan. Because Plaga Mincha, as we just discussed above, was 11 hours minus a quarter on the day. 10 hours and 45 minutes, with an hour and a quarter left on the day. So that's halfway through Mincha Ketana. Now, if you say, until that point, but not including, then he says, 10.45 on the day is the end of Mincha. Chachamim says, sunset. But if you say, Ad Ba'ad Bichlal, meaning up till and including Plaga Mincha, well, if you include Plaga Mincha, it means you're at sunset. That means he and the Rabbanan are saying the exact same thing. Eliyamart, Ad Ba'ad Bichlal, Rabbi Yudainu Rabbanan. Elomai. So what do you want to suggest now? Ad Velo Ad Bichlal, that it's up to, but not including. A Maseifa. What are you going to do with the latter half of the right? The Bishel Musafim Kolayom. Rabbi Yudah Mer Ad Shevashot. Musaf is all day. Rabbi Yudah says until the seventh hour. Now here it's in the bright. I mentioned Rabbi Yudah says until Shevashot. Our Mishnah Tosafot says should not have the girsa of Rabbi Yudah Mer Ad Shevashot. Tosafot says why not? Everything else we have Rabbi Yudah's opinion, and all of a sudden this piece is missing. And in the bright that you have Rabbi Yudah Ad Shevashot. Tosavot says that Rabbi brought Rabbi Huda in the Mishnah everywhere where we pass him like him. Ad Arba Shaot, the Chachila wants to finish Shacharit until the fourth hour, so he brought Rabbi Huda's opinion. We're going to see later in today's Daf that when it comes to Mincha, it's the Avid Gemar Avid, Avid Gemar Avid, that you're allowed to pass him either like Rabbi Huda or like the Chachamim by Mincha time. So that means Plaga Mincha is relevant. By Musaf, we don't pass him like Rabbi Huda. So therefore, Rabbi did not bring his opinion in the Mishnah. Although it is found here in the Brighton, and you can see in our Mishnah that we got lifted or placed in there as well, and that's why there are parentheses around it in our Mishnah. Why does the Gemara say when Rabbi Yudah says until Sheva Sha'ot that that proves to you that it's up to and including? Because the Tanya, we have a Brighton. I discussed this yesterday. If you have a competition between Musaf and Mincha, Mitzpalel Shal Mincha, Vachakach Shal Musaf, Yudam and Mincha first. Then you daven Musaf, Shizuta Dira, Bezuenata Dira. You go by which one is more frequent. Mincha is more frequent than Musaf. You have competition between Mincha and Musaf. We go with Mincha first and then Musaf afterwards. You daven Musaf first, then Mincha, Shizu Overt, Bezuena Overt. Because Musaf has a time limit. It's going to end at the seventh hour. Mincha, you can continue davening for the rest of the day. Now, I know Chanami, the Chachamim agreed to that principle, but it's a mitzvah of Eret. We would pick that over to Dira. The difference is that the Chachamim think Musaf and Mincha end at the same time. So since they end at the same time, Mincha will always get precedence. Even if you don't have enough time left, you're going to say Mincha because 
Tadim Shinu Tadir Tadir Kodem. Oh, very good. So David says, oh, wait a minute. Only if you do both of them. Only if you could do both of them. But here, they end at the same time. The only reason you might do Musaf and not Mincha is because there is Tashlumim for Mincha, there is no Tashlumim for Musaf. That'd be the only reason to pick Musaf over Mincha in that situation. But otherwise, since their timing is the same, you will always pick the one that is more Tadir. But according to Yehuda, where there is a point where Musaf ends, and Mincha continues, then we're going to opt to the Amin Musaf, so you don't miss out on Musaf, and then you have Mincha afterwards. Well, how is there an overlap between Musaf and Mincha? Mincha, we know, starts at 12, 12.30, six and a half hours on the day. Rabbi Yudah here says that Musaf is until the seventh hour. Well, if you say up till the seventh hour, that's up till 12 o'clock, up till noon. If you say up to including the seventh hour, that's until one o'clock. The only way for there to be overlap between Mincha and Musaf is to say up to and including. Ad ve'ad bichlal. And that's the Gemara's point here. Iyamad bishlama ad ve'ad bichlal up to and including. Hainan mishkachadu shtei tefilot ba'adayadodi. That's how you have a stira, an overlap between Mincha and Musaf. Iyamad ad ve'ad bichlal. Heicha mishkachadu shtei tefilot ba'adayadodi. There's no way to have Musaf and Mincha overlap. Kevin da'achilah shel Mincha, azalah shel Musafim. By the time Zvan Mincha comes at 12.30... Musaf's already done at 12 o'clock. Elamai. So now what do you want to suggest? Advad bichlal. Kosherisha. Then we're back to the problem in the ratio, which is by plaga mincha. So ma'ika ben rabiudu the rabbonah when it comes to mincha time. So when it says, misavarat the high plaga mincha plaga chrono kamar. That's what we concluded yesterday. That the plaga mincha that rabiudu is speaking about is the latter half. You have two halves of mincha ketana. Mincha ketana begins nine and a half hours on today at 3.30. And it goes until 6 o'clock. That is a span of two and a half hours. You split it in half, that's an hour and a quarter. We said yesterday, well, he must be talking about the latter half, because in the Mishnah, it says, what time is Plaga Mincha? 11 hours minus a quarter, at 10.45. So that's the beginning of the second half. So that's why we said that he was speaking about the second plag. But the Gemara says, if you do that, you're running into a problem. If we think that Rabbi Yehuda believes up to and including is the principle that governs here, then you can have a problem because then he's the same din as a chachamim. So what are we going to suggest? Rather, plug Rishona Kamar. He's talking about the first plug that starts at three thirty. plug Rishona plug At three thirty, which is when it starts. So that plug goes from three thirty until four forty five. So we're going to say up to and including that half. Up to means at 3.30, including means until 4.45, and that gets us the opinion of Rabbi Huda of Plaga Mincha. The reason that they mentioned the 11 hours minus a quarter in our Mishnah is because that's the changeover between the first half and the second half. And this is the way to read the Mishnah, which is, Where is that threshold where the first half goes out and the second half comes in? 11 hours minus a quarter. And that's the Plaga Menchor, that's the end of the time where Rabbi Yehuda says you can daven. So Rabbi Yehuda says, Plag Rishona, the first half is the Zman Mincha, but that's up to including the first half. So including the first half gets you to the 10.45, an hour and a quarter before sunset, the Plaga Menchor of Rabbi Yehuda. And therefore Rabbi Yehuda will hold Ad Ve'ad Bichlau in our Mishnah, and the Chachamim will hold Ad Velo Ad Bichal. Chachamim's opinion is up until, but not including. Whereas Rabbi Yehuda will be up until and including in our Mishnah. We have a Mishnah that supports this position or this understanding. Rabbi Yudha ben Baba testified to five things. 
Number one, that sometimes we teach a minor to do or perform miyun. So miyun is the ability of a ktana, a minor, to divorce. And this comes about because her father has passed away. A ktana cannot marry herself off, but her father has the right to marry her off. That right is only granted to the father. If the father passes away, and she's still a ktana, the chachamin granted that right to her brother and her mother to marry her off, in order that she should not go part of znut, or she should not have problem of getting married. That marriage is rabbinic, rabbanan in nature, because mina Torah, she either marries herself off when she's old enough, or when she's a minor, her father marries her off. But right now she's a yatoma. Her father passed away. There is no one to marry her off. Chachamim grant that right to her brother and her mother. You have rabbinic marriage. Now the marriage can be dissolved also rabbinically. The dissolution of the marriage rabbinically is called miyun. Miyun is simply that the girl says, Efshi. I'm not interested in this marriage. When she says, I'm not interested in this marriage, we dissolve the marriage. Not only dissolve it prospectively, but retroactively. It dissolves as if the marriage never took place at all. In a case where, this is the situation which Rabbi Yehuda ben Boba is speaking about, two brothers married two sisters. One brother married a sister who is of age, or that he married with the father's permission, and he has a Torah-level marriage. The second brother married the sister, but she was a minor, and it was only rabbinic in nature. Her father had passed away, or she had been previously divorced, he marries her, he only marries her rabbinically, then the first brother passes away. When the first brother passes away, now there's a din of yibum. The second brother should marry the first brother's wife. They're married Minatorah, but he has a problem now. He's married to her sister. But he's only married to her sister, Midrabanan. So now this marriage, Midrabanan, is blocking him from performing yibum Minatorah. So what do we do? We teach her bimayin. We teach this youngster, this minor, to say ifshi. I want to divorce me the rabbanan. That divorce me the rabbanan is okir the mafreya undermines retroactively the marriage as if they were never married. Well, it's as if they never married. Now this brother can perform yibum mina torah. So that's one halacha that he brought down. Number two, shemasiin et aisha piyedachad. This has to do with an aguna whose husband passed away somewhere where she has no evidence of the fact. And a single aide comes and testifies to the fact that her husband passed away. We allow her to marry based on that one aide. A chicken that killed a baby in Yerushalayim by pecking its head. The chicken is put to death. So this Tarnagol was niskal in Yerushalayim. Prove that when it says, Hashur niskal, in the Torah, it doesn't literally mean shor, but shor means any behemoth, any animal. And we know that from Shabbos, by Shabbat, it says you have to rest, and your animals have to rest. And also mentions that shor v'chamor have to rest. From there, the Gemara learns, a binyanav, that any time it says shor v'chamor, it also means all animals. And so to over here, by the shor niskal, it's not unique to shor, but also applies to our animals like Tarnagol. Al yayin ben arbeim yom shenit nasech so because it says, Nesach Sheikhar, Nesach Sheikhar means it has to be intoxicating for it to go in the Mizbeach. When does wine move from being grape juice to being wine? That's after 40 days. So 40 day old wine can be used for the Nesachim on the Mizbeach because then it's moved from being Yayin Begito, from grape juice, 
over to being wine. And this is what we're after over here. The Tamid Shachar is brought for the entire four hours. It can be brought anywhere in the four-hour span. Shmamino, from that you conclude, Ad Vad Shmamino. It means up to and including. Because if it's only up to, then there'll only be a three-hour span where you could bring Tamid Shachar. The fact that it says up four-hour span means up to and including the fourth hour. And that is the proof that that must be the opinion of Rabbi Yehuda. Amar of Hakano, Halochok Rabbi Yehuda, the loch is like Rabbi Yehuda because we have a Mishnah in Bechirta. Bechirta is the chosen one. The chosen Mishnayot are the Mishnayot and Idiot. Mishnayot and Idiot are based on a story that we're going to get to at the end of today's daf that really goes into tomorrow's daf. That on that day the Beit Midrash was full and all the testimonies on the Beit Midrash that day could have been tested. And since they were tested and written down, was an indication that whatever was written in Idiot is L'Halacha. And therefore, since this Mishnah is found in Idiot, that says Rabbi Yehuda's opinion, sounds like the Halacha is like Rabbi Yehuda. That the Tamit Shashkar is brought in the fourth hour. Man Tana Lahad Tanan. Who is the author of this that we find? It's really a Brita. I mean, it's the Torah Kwanim. V'chama Shemesh V'namas. The sun got hot, and then it melted. Here it's speaking about the mun. In the morning, the mun fell. And after the people collected the mun, baboker, baboker, in the morning, the sun came up, heated up the mun, and then the mun melted and ran off into the rivers. So Ba'ar Ba'ashot, died the fourth hour. Ta'umer Ba'ashot, is that when it happened at the fourth hour? Or in Ba'ashot, at the sixth hour, it says V'cham HaShemesh. When is it V'cham HaShemesh? Is that the fourth hour, or is that the sixth hour? Is that noon? Shomer, by Avram Avinu, by... The Brit Milah, when he's waiting outside his tent afterwards, it says, Kechom Hayom, at the heat of the day. So the Torah already gave us the definition of what's called noon. Noon is Kechom Hayom, the heat of the day. The difference being Kechom Hayom is when it's hot everywhere. That means both in the shade and in the sun, it's hot. Kama Shemesh is that it's only hot where the sun is shining. In the shade, it's still cool. So Becham Shemesh will be defined as the fourth hour. Kechom Yom is, the heat of the day is noontime. I already know Kechom Yom is teaching me the sixth hour. How many came Becham HaShemesh? Namas, when is it that it's hot in the sun, not in the shade? Ba'ar Shaot at the fourth hour. Mani, who's the author of this Mechilta? Lo Rabbi Yehuda, velo Rabbanan. It's not Rabbi Yehuda, it's not Rabbanan. What do you mean? It sounds exactly like Rabbi Yehuda. What do you mean it's not Rabbi Yehuda? Because I Rabbi Yehuda, Ar-Arba Shaot, Namitzafrahu, According to Rabbi Yehuda, until the fourth hour is still morning time. The problem is that it says by the man that they took, collected the man baboker baboker in the morning. Now, if you're saying that it melted at the fourth hour, that means morning ends at the fourth hour. Rabbi Yehuda is saying that morning goes until and including the fourth hour. That means that the mechilta is suggesting that the morning ends after the third hour, and Rabbi Yehuda is saying that morning ends after the fourth hour. And therefore, Rabbi Yehuda cannot be the author of this Mechilta. But I think morning goes until noon because they think you can dive in Shachrin until noon. Some say that it's authored by Rabbi Yehuda, some say it's authored by the Rabbanan. Divide the morning in half. The morning extends, according to the Chachamim, six hours from sunrise until noon. From sunrise until noon, which is from the beginning of the day until the sixth hour of the day. You divide that in half, it's the third hour of the day. 
So when the Torah says that they collected the man baboker baboker, it means after the first morning, before the second morning. And that is at the third hour of the day. So that's one opinion. That is the Chachamim. Some say that Rabbi Yehuda is the author of the Michilta. Hi, Boker Yitera Lagdim Lo Sha'achat. Boker goes until the fourth hour, including the fourth hour. But Boker, but Boker means the early morning. The earlier morning is one hour before the regular morning, and that's why it goes until the third hour, not the fourth hour. Tukuliyamu, but everybody believes Miu B'chamashemesh V'namas Barabashot. That when the man melted was at the fourth hour. My mashma, how do you know this? When is it hot in the sun and it's still cool in the shade? That's until the fourth hour of the day. That is the empirical time. The Chamim say it's still cool in the shade, warm in the sun. That's until the end of the third hour, the beginning of the fourth hour. Right. according to the Chamim, goes until evening time. Before, we said, Aloha is like Rabbi Yehuda, because we have a Mishnah, an idiot, that supports his position. That was regards to his position about Shacharit. That's what we say, that one must daven in the first four hours a day like Rabbi Yehuda, and we paskan like Rabbi Yehuda. Over here, we have an, again a machoket chachamim Rabbi Yehuda as to when the end of is. is it Plaga Mincha like Rabbi Hudo? Or is it Arev, Shkia, or Tzait, according to the Chachamim? So, Hachamai, what's the din over here? Ishtik, Velo Amar Lei, Velo Mide, did not respond to him. Amrav Chista, Nechzeyanon. Let's see ourselves what the Aloche is. If we can, we didn't get an, I didn't get an answer from my Rabbi Yitzchak. Let me get a, try to get an answer for myself. It says, we know, Darav, Matzli Shal Shabbat, Be'erev Shabbat. He used to daven the Tefillah of Shabbat, when it was still Arab Shabbat, when it was still daytime. Shmamina, how could Rab do that? How could Rab be davening Mariv for Shabbat while it's still daytime? Well, it must be that he holds ke Rabbi Yehuda. That he paskins like Rabbi Yehuda. So Umar says, Adarabah, midravuna Rabbanan lo havu matlat orta. Ravuna and the Rabbanan did not agree with Rab. And they would wait to daven Mariv until nightfall. So it's from them it sounds like that the is... So now we have it that the Loch is not like either of them. We don't have a proof. We have Rav practicing one way, Rav Huna and the Chachamim practicing the other way. Since we don't have the Loch dictated in either direction, you can do like either. You can pick. You can pass in like Rabbi Huda, or you can pass in like the Chachamim. What does that mean? So this is... A machloket rishonim, how to interpret this? Most of the rishonim, Rova rishonim believe that the avid gemar avid, the avid gemar avid means you gotta pick one way in life. You get one choice in life, either you've always passed in like Rabbi Yehuda, or you always pass in like the chachamim. It's not like there's an option, but there's one time you get that option. Once you've made your decision, you have to be consistent in that opinion for the remainder of your life. And truly that's the way the tour brings it, the shochanarf brings it. Because the Rambam paskins that way, you know, the Talmud of Yona, bring in the shame of Rabbeinu Yona, that they paskin that way, the Rosh seems to lean in that direction, that it's a one-time choice. There are other Rishonim that believe that you just have to be consistent on a given day. On a given day, you can't have it be both Yom and Laila. It either is nighttime after Plaga Mincha, or it's Yom after Plaga Mincha. But if it's a different day, you can once again make the choice. 
whether to paskin like Rabbi Yehuda or paskin like the Chachamim. There is a small group, a very small group, mostly the Rabbeinu Tam. The Rabbeinu Tam himself, you look in the Tosafot on Bet Amar Aleph, as well as the Rosh quotes a similar idea from the Rabbeinu Tam in Siman Aleph. The Rosh says it, and others later on bring it B'Shem Rabbeinu Tam, that even on a single day, you can do Tarte Satre. It can be both night and day. That means you can dab in Mincha after Plaga Mincha, and dab in Marif before Shkia. Rabbeinu Tam brings this because the practice of those in their dime to Davin Marif before sunset and say Kriyat Shema. So we saw this on the first staff of Brachot. How do they do that? How was anybody Yotzei Kriyat Shema by Davening before Shkia? Because it says, Everybody agrees that Sman Shkiba either begins at a small time before sunset or sometime after that. Nobody believes Sman Shkiba begins in the middle of the day or even from Plaga Mincha. So the Rebbeinu Tam claims that when we Davin Marib early, we are passing like Rabbi Yehuda. And Migo, that it works for Tefillah, it also works for Kriyat Shema. So when you dab in Marif, like Rabbi Yehuda, not only are you Yotzei Shmon Esri at that time, you're also Yotzei Kriyat Shema. That it's night, it's full-fledged night for Rabbi Yehuda, and that qualifies you for Kriyat Shema as well as Marif. There are Tosafot asks, well, we're also Davin Mincha at that time. They're Davin Mincha and Marif like back-to-back. That means we're Davin Mincha like the Chachamim, and Marif like... Rabbi Yehuda. So that Baratoswan moves on. The Reese says no way and moves on to a different answer. But the Rabbeinu Tam believes that it works in that case. Even though it's a stira. Even though that there is a internal problem. The Rosh, in quoting that Rabbeinu Tam, says, well, do you know what you have to do then? David Gemara, David, how do you explain our Gemara? The Gemara says you have to either pick Rabbi Yehuda or Chachamim. He says, if you do like Rabbi Yehuda, then it works all the way. David Gemara, David. If you do like Rabbi Yehuda, it means that not only are you Yotze Shmon Esri, you Yotze Kriyashma. David Gemara, David. If you dab in like the Chachamim, then it's all the way too. If you dab in Shmon Esri after Shkia, then you also do Kriyashma after Shkia. You just have to be consistent with the Shmon Esri and Kriyashma. Not that you have to be consistent between the opinions. You just have to be consistent that whenever you dab in Shmon Esri, you dab in Kriyashma. So that's how the Russian interprets our Gemara here in order to reconcile with this Rabbeinu Tam. So you therefore have three opinions. Either lifetime choice, daily choice, or you don't have to make a choice. You can even have them be soter echad etesheni. Tosot does point out, even according to the Rabbeinu Tam, or even to those opinions, that, that if you pass them like Rabbi Yehuda, that does not mean that if you daven mariv like Rabbi Yehuda, that automatically from Plaga Mincha is considered to be nighttime. Because then, by Shabbos, if you went to be Mechavo Shabbat, daven mariv sometime after Plaga Mincha, does that mean that it's nightfall from Plaga Mincha? Does Shabbat start automatically at Plaga Mincha? No. That's what Tosa points out, that even if you agrees that it's not automatically nighttime for Shabbat. Shabbat is mean Erev. It's from nighttime, from Shkia to Shkia. If you want to be Moshev Michal HaKodesh, you want to make it nighttime for Rabbi Yehuda, that's fine, you can Mechavul Shabbat early. But that doesn't mean that automatically at Plaga Mincha, Shabbat begins, and the same on the other end. It's not automatically over at Moshev Shabbat. Nobody says you can do Malacha after Plaga Mincha on Shabbat day because it's already nightfall for Rabbi Yehuda. Rabbi Yehuda's din is a din in Shemon it's a din in Kriyat Shema, it's not a din in Yom Valayla. It's not a din in Shabbat. So that's number one. Number two is, what is the din Alocha? So the Shukhar Paskins, that like the tour, make a lifetime choice. The Mishnah Bura brings from the Achronim that if you are in a situation where it's, you have to dive in Marib with a minion before Shkia, 
then one should make sure to daven mincha prior to plaga mincha. And from that, it seems from the achronim that you can make a choice when you're in a situation where that's what would provide you the minion, that you could make a choice like Rabbi Huda on a given day. Then they go one step further. The one step further is the practice that was common in their day, which was the daven mincha and mariv between plag and shkia. They daven both of them, tarte the satri in that time period. So over there, many of the, even the, from the time of the Ge'onim, Rishonim, and then into the Achronim, believe because there's a value in davening B'tzibor, that you should daven with the Tzibor, even though it's Tarte de Satre. That one should opt to daven the Tzibor, even though you're not Yotze Kriyat Shema at that time, because we don't hold like the Rebbein Otam, according to most. Even though you're not Yotze Kriyat Shema, because it's better to daven Shemaneser with the Tzibor, than it is to be Somech Gul Tzvilo B'Mariv. You'll say Kriyat Shema later on, you'll be Yotze Kriyat Shema later on, you won't have smichot gula tefila, even though later on some of the rishonim, like Tarashbo and others, suggest that you could even have smichot gula tefila because birkot kriyat shema might be able to be said even when you're not yotze kriyat shema, and therefore you have both smichot gula tefila and shmonesrei. So many of the rishonim suggest that you could even daven tarte the satri on a given day. If that's the only way you can get a minion. Mr. Burr quotes this from the Derech Chaim, but the Mr. Burr then says in the Sharet Zion that he doesn't like it. He says you should opt out. And he brings in the Ber from the Groh, who says, better to daven be yechidut, mariv bizmano, than to daven tarte desatre, mariv like Rabbi Yehuda. As long as that's when you normally daven, if you normally daven after shkia, then better to daven be yechidut, than to daven with the tzibur, if they're davening before the zman of Kriyachma. Right, and they daven mariv after plagamitcha, right. So the Gra is not in favor of that because he said you should wait to do Kriyat Shema If you normally daven late, then you should always daven late and you should opt to daven B'Yechidut. And there the Gra says, even on Shabbos, even in a case where it's Shabbat, you should opt to daven B'Yechidut later on in order to daven B'Zman and not to daven early with the minion. So the Yishuv Aruch says that on Arab Shabbat, one should daven Marv early. They most say that that doesn't mean before Shkia. And this means earlier than you normally do on a regular weekday. But the Bagan of Ram and others bring that that means early. Early before Shkia. And that even though normally we dive in Marav after Shkia and we pass like the Chachamim, on Arab Shabbat, maybe we should pass them like Rabbi Yehuda. And maybe even the Chachamim agree. And this is based, the Magdan Avram brings this idea down, the Orch HaShulchan also, it's more famous, I think, through the Orch HaShulchan, that we know that Tefillah Erev, Mariv, is connected, the Evarim, Ubdarim, that are put on Mizbeach overnight. The din is, Karbonot are Doche Shabbat, but it's only, Olat Shabbat B'Shabbato. Karbonot of Shabbat are Doche Shabbat. Karbonot of previous days are not Doche Shabbat. The Evarim Darim are from the previous day's Karbanot. They're from the previous day's Karbanot, then you can't bring them on Friday night because they're not Doche Shabbat. That means they must be put on the Mizbeach before Shabbat. That's the case. Mariv should be on Erev Shabbat, should be before Shkia, just like the Evarim of Darim. Yesterday we saw Tosafot says the same thing by Yaakov Avino. Follow the Medrash by Haran, that he went all the way to Haran and came back. It sounds like Yaakov also Davin Mariv before Shkia. And therefore the Loch is like Rabbi Yehuda. So based on that, there are those that suggest that one could daven Mariv even before Shkia on Erev Shabbat. And maybe even if you hold like the Chachamim, it would be okay to daven. And would justify the position of daven Tarte de Satre on Erev Shabbat. That's the 7 o'clock minion in Chutz Laaretz, not davening around Plag, but davening at 7 o'clock, which has no relevance to Plag. 
Even though it's Tate Desatre, that might be justified by this position. Even though many disagree, including the Mishnah Buru, who says that he thinks even in that situation you should not do Tate Desatre. If you're going to dive in early like a Yehuda, you should dive in Mincha before Plaga Mincha, and not do Tate Desatre. The Mishnah Buru seems to be so there himself. In one place he seems to indicate you should opt out, and you should not dive in like this. Even if it gets you a minion, the other place he says, if you have no other choice, and that's the only way to get a minion, then you could dive in Tartarisatre. It's a stira between Reshlam and Gimel and Reshlam and Hay in the Mishnah Brewer. The common practice is to dive in with a minion, even though it's Tartarisatre, and then say Kriyachma again later. Rav says that one should opt out, and no, that you shouldn't dive in Tartarisatre. If you didn't dive in Mincha earlier, then one should dive in Be'echidut, one of the tefillot. The question is, which of the tefillot should you dive in You have a choice now between Mincha and Marif. So generally we know, and we're going to see later in today's daft, tefillot arvit, reshut. So tefillot arvit is reshut, tefillot mincha is a chobah. If you had to opt for which one to dive in minyan, you would dive in mincha be minyan, and you would dive in Marif be'echidut. The exception might be by Shabbat and Yom Tov. The Ramban al Torah says that, what does it mean to be mincha? Right, Zachor, Yom HaShabbat, the control. The Rambana of the Torah says, the Kabbalah, Bate Knesiot, to gather together in the shuls and to daven to Hashem. Therefore, according to the Ramban, it might be that davening Marif, the minion, is a dindo oraita. It's a dindo oraita when it comes to Marif and Shabbat. In that case, you should opt to daven mincha, beyechidot, and Marif with the minion. I think that's the way the Rambshach holds, is that if you come into this tight to situation, you should daven mincha earlier by yourself, beyechidot, and daven Mariv with the minion, in order that you daven Mariv together with the minion, and be miyotze, this dindal raita of the Ramban, timi mikadish the Shabbat, ayudei minion. The other thing that we note is that Rav was matzli of Shabbat. Rav daven on Erev Shabbat. So we see that Rav did such a thing, he daven early. The question is, did he daven tarte de Sadre or not? The assumption may be that he did not daven tarte de Sadre. And therefore, one could bring in the Shabbat early by davening Ma'ariv early, but there's no proof from that that he davened Tartar Desach. Someone suggests from Rav's davening early on Shabbat that it seems like the halacha is like Rabbi Yehuda. There are others that say, no, we mentioned one of the ways to explain this, even according to their Rabbanon, and that is because when we say Tfilat Erev in Lakheva, that it has no fixed time, and that is that Ma'ariv starts when Mincha ends. Ma'ariv ends when Shacharit starts. And over here, where Rav was Mikabal Shabbat early, once you're Mikabal Shabbat, you can't daven mincha anymore. If you can't daven mincha anymore, Zman Amariv starts, maybe even according to the Rabbanan. We also had mentioned the Shita of the Magen Avram, the Orach HaShulchan, that on Erev Shabbat, maybe one can daven early, even according to the Rabbanan. The Rosh also adds another explanation and says, maybe Rav held like Rabbi Yeshua ben Levi. And Rabbi Yeshua ben Levi says, Tfilot be'emsa tignum, that the Tfilot were in the middle. And therefore Rav was davening Shman Esri early, and he was going to say Kriyat Shema later. And so there's no proof from Rav that he David Mariv early, or he's holding like Rabbi Yehuda, or he thinks you can say Kriyat Shema early. And now the Gemara continues. Rav equal the Beganeva. Talisha Shabbat, Bear of Shabbat. This is this incident with Rav. He went to Beganeva, or the base message of Beganeva, and he davened Mariv of Shabbat already when it was still daytime. Rabbi Matsli, Rabbi Yirmir, Ba'aba, Lachore. Rabbi Yirmir, Ba'aba was davening Lachore the Rav, behind Rav. Besi'em Rav. Rav finished Shmon Esrei, Velo Paske, Lutzlote, the Rabbi Yirmir. He wasn't willing to step out of his into the sphere of Rabbi Yirmiya. From this you conclude three things. Number one, The first one is that you can dive in Marif early on Erev Shabbat. You can begin Shabbat early. 
behind his Rebbe. So here we learn that it's mutter to dive in behind your Rebbe. The last thing is, Rav didn't back up out of his Shmanesu because then he would have come into the sphere, the airspace of Rebbe Yirmiyah. And you're not allowed to do that when somebody's davening. So You're not allowed to walk in front of people who are davening Shmanesri. We see Rabbi Yasi passing in front of people davening all the time. So That's outside of the four amot. The sphere of a person is four amot. So his four amot are the place that you can't walk. If you're outside of that sphere, then you can walk and you're not interrupting the tefillah. Same thing we saw in Beda Barot earlier. So it's considered to be the makoma mate when you're Abba Omot of the mate. That's the sphere of influence of the individual. Right, so in a case where a person puts themselves in a position where they're blocking the access of the tzibor, I don't think that the tzibor is forced or subjugated to this individual shmonesu and nobody can pass there anymore. There's a balance, meaning that there's consideration on both sides. You can't just dive them wherever you want and block people out. You also know that if there is a tent fachim, if there's mechitza between you and the other individual, that there is no problem. Right, so in most shuls, even though people will not back up, if you have a shtender or a bench is, that are in front there, they have the pews, most pews are tent fachim, they're within three tfachim on the floor, they probably are a mechitza, and you probably can back up, even though there's someone davening shmoneser behind you. You can check with your local rav about that, but it's very likely that people do, who do wait, it's nice, but they may not have to wait because you have the mechitza. Right, so it's a problem. First answer is come on time. The second answer is don't block access. And if you do, then you can have to expect that the Gemara speaks about an ani, poor person, people have a kinyan of four amot around them. So the Gemara there talks about an ani who's coming to collect the matnot aniim. And he goes to grab them. The ani, within four amot, he gets all the matnot aniim around him so they don't fight. If he, instead of opting for that, he lies down on the matnot aniim, the Gemara over there says that he's not koneh in the arba amot. Because he showed by his action that he doesn't care about the four amot because he laid down. If he just stood up, he would have had the four amot without having to lay down. When he lays down, at least he's opting out. I would say the same thing over here. A person who dives one esrei in an access or egress area is basically opting out of the arba amot. The fact that he put himself in a public thoroughfare already says that he doesn't consider his arba amot to be important because he's putting himself in a public thoroughfare. That's how I would, I would think about it. It's Rabbi Yirmiya, how did he dive in behind Rav? person should not daven not opposite to his Rebbe. Rashi says here, that means next to his Rebbe, because it's Marek Elohim Shavim, it looks like they're on par, they're peers. And not behind his Rebbe. Rashi says you shouldn't do that, because seems like you're haughty. If you dive behind your Rebbe, it looks like you're in the same plane, you're in the same level as your Rebbe. Tosfot says no, because it looks like you're bowing down to your Rebbe. You shouldn't dive in behind your Rebbe. Here it's clear that one shouldn't dive in behind the Rebbe, and Rabbi Yirmiya did. Right, so in front of your Rebbe, it also seems to be problematic. You should dive in off to the side and behind, which is an indication you're not on the same level, but you're also not blocking him. You're not right behind him. So, Vitanya, Rabbi Eliezer, Omer, Mitvalel, Achorei, Rabbo, someone who dives behind his Rebbe, even though Tain Shalom, the Rabbo, and someone who greets his Rebbe, Vachmogzir Shalom, the Rabbo, and someone who responds to his Rebbe, Vacholeikal, Yishvitosh, Rabbo, and someone who disagrees, has a machloket with his Rebbe, and someone says over something the name is Rebbe that he didn't hear from his Rebbe, causes the Shekhinah to leave Klal Yisrael. I'll go back and explain all of these. 
Shiny, Rabbi Yirmi Rabbah, the Talmud Chover Abu. Rabbi Yirmi Abba is different because he was not just a Talmud. He's a Talmud Chover, which is, he was a Talmud, but also a peer of Rav. And the Gemara is going to prove that in one second. Therefore, he was not considered to be a Talmud davening behind his Rebbe. He was a peer davening alongside of his Rebbe, and that was fine. Now, what about the other items here? So that's a mitzvah Rabbo. That's problematic, unless he's a Talmud Chover or he is a peer. Note in Shalom the Rabbo, what's wrong with greeting your Rebbe? And what's wrong with responding to a greeting from your Rebbe? The answer is that he doesn't do it properly. He says, Shalom Aleichem. He says, Shalom Aleichem, Shalom Aleichem. He greets his Rebbe without giving his Rebbe the proper title. He should be saying, Shalom Aleichem, Rebbe Umori. He leaves it out, but he greets him like any other person and says, Shalom Aleichem. So by leaving out Rebbe Umori, that is problematic. It's not tefillah there, it's, it's saying Shalom Aleichem. But Kiddush Levan is there you can say when you say it to your Rebbe. Alright, and obviously, and his name is Rebbe, those are clear why those are problematic, that I don't have to explain. Now how do you know that Rebbe Yirmiya is a Talmud Chavar of Rav? I know the Talmud Rebbe Yirmiya the Ba'ab of the Rav. Mibadalt. When you dive it early on Erev Shabbat, Ma'ariv, like we saw Rav did, did you stop doing Malocha? Samarlai, in Bedilna, I did. But how did Rabbi Yirmiya address Rav? He just addressed him directly. He says, Mibadalt. Did you stop doing Malocha? Vlomar, Mibadil Mar. He didn't use a title or some sort of formality to address his Rebbe. But he says just, Umibadil. Not Mibadil Mar, but Mibadil, indicating that he was a Talmud Chover of Rav. Where it says, Umibadil, did he really stop doing Malocha? One time, Rabbi David early, Ma'ariv on Shabbat, V'nichnas Lamerchatz, V'yotzah. He went into the bathhouse, took a bath, came out, V'shanalam Pirkin, and then taught us Torah. V'adayin lo ha-sheicha. And it still wasn't dark. So we know they davened before sunset, way before sunset. Yet, he was still doing Malocha afterwards, because he went into the bathhouse. Amarova. First of all, he didn't take a bath. Number one, he wasn't going in to take a bath, but rather to take a shvitz. He was going in for the sauna. Number two is, Bekodim Gezeira Hava. It was prior to the Gezeira, the Gemara in Shabbat, we'll get to that. When we get to the Gemara in Shabbat, the Gemara in Shabbat goes through a series of Gezeirot that disallowed bathing on Shabbat, and then later on, going into a shvitz on Shabbat. The problem was that the Balanim, the bathhouse keepers, were not such honest people. And when they allowed the people to utilize them on Shabbat, they were heating the water on Shabbat, even for the Shvitz. So therefore, the Chachamim over time were Oser, not only Rechitza on Shabbat, but even Heziah on Shabbat, which is taking a Shvitz on Shabbat. But Rabbi, before, is before this Gezeira. Since Rabbi was before the Gezeira, he wasn't doing Malach on Shabbat. He was Mechabal Shabbat. He went into the bathhouse to be Meziah. That's perfectly allowed. That was allowed on Shabbat in that time. And he was keeping Shabbat, and he did keep the Malachah, so there's no proof that Rabbi didn't do this. Why says, Ini, is that true? He allowed him to smoke his baskets with sulfur. I guess that's to make them more solid or to make them waterproof. He allowed him to do this, even after he davened Mariv on Erev Shabbat. Why says, That was a mistake. Wait, just because he made Shabbat early by mistake, that means that he didn't. He wasn't making Kabbal Shabbat? We have another case, but that's not true. Amar Avidan, or Avidan, Pamachad Nikashu Shemaim Bavin. There was this incident where it got dark out, the clouds came, covered over the sun, it got dark. Because Vrim Amlo Marcha Sheikhu, they thought it was nightfall. 
Shabbat. And they dive in the Motzei Shabbat, but it was really still Shabbat. All of a sudden, the clouds dissipated. And they saw the sun. Since they daven, they davened already. Once you daven, you davened. When I say shiny tzibor, now that's an issue of tefillah. It's tefillah b'tzibor. It's tefillah b'tzibor. We're not going to make them come back and daven again. And that's not a din in Shabbat. Nobody says that they ended Shabbat then, that Shabbat was over. They still had to keep Shabbat. Now, it's true in that instance that they kept Shabbat because that's the Chumrah. Just because you daven Motzei Shabbat early doesn't mean that you can end Shabbat early. But who says that that works on Arab Shabbat? Over here, they did it in the Chumrah, which is that they kept Shabbat. But we don't have any proof from here that on Arab Shabbat, if you daven early, that you would also say that they are Mechavah, or Machmer to be Mechavah Shabbat over there. Because over here, they had to keep it until Motzei Shabbat. Over there, you're bringing in Shabbat early. Tosavot says that in Ochanam, when you say Shabbat Zibar, they were not Osir Basiyat Malacha, even though it was a mistake. So when it's a mistake, we don't force you to keep the Yisra Malach except on the Motzei Shabbat case. On the Motzei Shabbat case, you have to keep it because you have to go to Chumrah. But on Arab Shabbat, where it's a mistake, we're not going to force you to keep Shabbat because you made a mistake, you're Mechavah Shabbat early, you don't have to be Mechavah Shabbat. And therefore, we're not going to say over there that you were Mechavah Shabbat. And that explains the case of Bayi being Matir Rabdimi Bar Levi to do Malacha when he davened before Shabbat, because there was a mistake. And a mistake, we don't say that you're automatically in Mechabal the Shabbat. That's the way Tosva learns. Tosva learns the simple way of the Gemara, that you have no proof from here, because we see when you make a mistake, the davening counts, but that doesn't mean that Shabbat is affected. Rashi says that the conclusion from this is that it does work. The tefillah works, and it works well enough that you are Mechabal Shabbat. And that's the conclusion from this. This proves what Rav did, which is that if you daven early, you're also Mikabal Shabbat. Because over there, the only reason that they didn't let the Shabbat go out was because you're dealing with Doraita. And Doraita of Shabbat, they were not going to let you say, oh, do Mubacha, because you daven. But in a case where it's before Shabbat, and over there, if you daven, we'll say it's efficacious, and you are Mikabal Shabbat. So Rashi and Tosafot come to opposite conclusions about what the meaning of this Hovit balu, it balu is, that's what it seems to move with the flow of the Gemara, the simple understanding, which is it's a proof that when you make a mistake, it doesn't impact. Whereas Rashi says that it shows you that tefillah is efficacious in creating the Shabbat, bringing in the Shabbat, just like it wouldn't take out the Shabbat. Just over there, it's minatora, you can't take out Shabbat, so the tefillah counts, but not take the melocha, you can't do. Shabbat. He used to daven Mariv on Erev Shabbat. Rabbi Yoshua Matzah Shal Motzei Shabbat Bishabbat. He used to daven Abdullah on Motzei Shabbat before Shabbat was over. Rav Zalisha Shabbat Erev Shabbat Omer Kedusha Alakos. Oh, I know Omer Kedusha Alakos. If you do that, can you make Kiddush on the coast or not? Tashma, Dabra Menachman, Rishmo, Mitvalo, Adam Shabbat Erev Shabbat, Omer Kedusha Alakos, Hilchato Kavatei. Pretty simple. If you bake Shabbat early, like Rabbi Yehuda, you daven Mariv. Not only is it Mariv good, you made it Shabbat. And you can make Kiddush Alakos and you can eat your meal then. Should be Makbid. If you do this, to make sure you have a Kazayit of Challah after Shki or after Tzayit, in order to be sure that, according to all the opinions, that you are Yotze. Omer Abdallah Alakos. So in Omer Abdallah Alakos. Can you make Abdullah on Shabbat itself? You're allowed to make Abdullah Next to this pillar, Rabbi Shmuel the Tana, Davind, early on Erev Shabbat, Marif, 
Tiatahua, when Ula came from Bavel, Amar Bitzad, Tzmara, Haba, first of all, was next to a date tree, Velo Bitzad, Amudava, not next to a pillar, Velo Rabbi Shmuel, Rabbi Yossi, Ava. The character in the story is not Rabbi Shmuel, Rabbi Yossi, Ella Rabbi Loza, Rabbi Yossi, Tana, Ava, Velo Shabbat, Erev Shabbat, and it wasn't a case on Erev Shabbat, El Shabbatze Shabbat, Shabbat Ava, Yidavin early, Mariv, on Motze Shabbat, on Shabbat itself. Now, Tosafot points out over here that the permissibility of davening early on Motzei Shabbat is only if it's L'Tzorech Mitzvah. L'Tzorech Mitzvah. You have to do something after Shabbat and it's L'Tzorech Mitzvah. We give you a dispensation to daven Marev early in order that you can go out right after the Shabbat. Otherwise, Tosafot says, you have to daven Marev later because there's a din of Tosafot Shabbat. And Tosafot Shabbat means you mean mostly Mechol Kodesh. That means you should let out Shabbat late, not early. And therefore, he's against davening early when that situation arises. And the... Mishnabura brings down the halacha that one should not do this. One should not daven on Motzei Shabbat before Motzei Shabbat. It's a common practice in many communities to daven Mari before the end of Shabbat. And he says it brings to a takala gidola. Tosafot mentions over here, which is that even if you daven Mari early, you're still usher b'malacha. And most people think once they daven Mari, they can do malacha. And therefore a takala gidola comes out of these situations where people daven early. And therefore the Mishnabura is against doing this. Even a makom mitzvah, he seems to say that one should not practice this of davening early on Motzei Shabbat. All right, next. Tvilat ayerav in lakeva. Ma'ariv has no set time. Ma in lakeva. Ilay ma di bay matzli kulad da'iliyah. Vim means that he can daven all night. Litne tvilat ayerav kololayla. Then let him say that Ma'ariv goes all night. Elamai in lakeva. What does it mean in lakeva? So command amar tvilat arvit rishut. It's like the one who says that Ma'ariv is optional. Damer of Yudah, Damer Shmuel, Tefilat Arvit. Rabbi Gamliel Omer Chuvah. Rabbi Gamliel says it's an obligatory Tefilah. Rabbi Shmuel Omer Rishut. It's an optional Tefilah. Amar Abay Alocha Kedivri Omer Chuvah. Abay Paskin is like the one who says it's obligatory. Rava Amar Alocha Kedivri Omer Rishut. Rava says it's like the one who says it's a Rishut. Abay Virava Alocha Ke Rava. That means that Mariv is a Rishut. Now Tosafot over here mentions what he mentioned in the beginning of the parak that when we say Rishut, Rishut does not mean optional. Optional would mean that you have a choice. You can choose to say it or not. Tosafot says that's not the meaning of Rashut over here. Meaning of Rashut is here is as opposed to a mitzvah or a chova. A chova means that it's an obligatory item and it would be docha other mitzvot to daven mariv. On the other hand, Rashut means that as long as there's no other competition, mariv is an obligation. But if mariv comes up against another mitzvah, we would opt for that other mitzvah over mariv. And that's what it means Rashut. Tosafot does that because of a number of issues, including what happened back on Tavdalet. Back on Tavdalet, we have a machloket with Rabbi Yochanan and Rabbi Yoshua ben Levi. As regards to uh, whether there is smichut gula detfila in Ma'ariv. Rabbi Yochanan says that smichut gula detfila applies even at Ma'ariv time. Tosfut says, wait a minute. If we pass in that Ma'ariv is reshut, how could it be that smichut gula detfila is a chova at night? Now over here we have Rava, Halacha Kirava, which is that Tfilah is Rishut. Rabbi Yochanan, Halacha Kirav Yochanan, that Smikul Degula Tfilah is Chova. I mean Smikul Degula Tfilah applies at night, which implies that Marav is a Chova. Now you have Stira in the Psach between Rabbi Yochanan and Rava. In addition to that, in the Gemara and Yoma, it says Rav Amar that Marav is a Rishut. So now if you have a Stira between Rabbi Yochanan and Rav, you would pass him like... Rabbi Yochanan, Rabbi Rabbi Yochanan, Allah Rabbi Yochanan, that would indicate that Marv should be a chovah, not a reshut. So how do we have this, how do we reconcile between that? 
So Tosvat over there says, gives a number of answers. One is that Mariv is really a Rishut. But if you dive in Mariv, you should be so mechulu the tefillah. Even Rabbi Yochanan agrees that tefillah David is a Rishut. But when you dive in Mariv, you should make sure to do smichot gulu the tefillah, even though it's a Rishut. And therefore he does not line up the opinion saying that just because he says smichot gulu tefillah means that it's a chova. This will also explain why when one misses Mariv, he daven shacharit twice. If tefillah David is a reshut, it's optional, then why would you ever daven shacharit twice to make it up? But if you explain reshut as not being optional, but rather it's as opposed to a mitzvah or a chovah, if you have nothing else going, you daven mariv. If you have competition, then you leave mariv out. That would explain there really is an obligation to daven mariv. And that obligation is what makes you chayav. If you miss mariv, to daven shacharit twice. And based on that, we could also then reconcile between Rabbi Yochanan's opinion of Smichot Gulot Tefillah and the Rishut over here. Not like the previous answer where he said it's really a Rishut. And if you do it, you should do it like Rabbi Yochanan to be Smichot Gulot Tefillah, but rather, the Rishut here is really a quasi chova, And that chova is equivalent to Rabbi Yochanan's opinion over there, that you have to be Smichot Gulot Tefillah, and also explains why you dive in Shachri twice when you miss Mariv. On the other hand, Tosafot over there brings another opinion. He hints at it over here, and is explicit about it in the Gemara in Megillah and Dafchav Gimel. Tosafot says over there, the reason we say Achati Kaddish in Mariv is to show that it is a Rishut. We dive in the Mariv and then say Achati Kaddish between Gal Yisrael and Shmon Esrei, because we want to show that Mariv is a Rishut, and we do that by separating between Gula Litfila. And that there is no smikol gulot tefillah. And based on that, Tosfot says, that Tosfot seems to indicate that if you believe smikol gulot tefillah, that means that you believe it's a chova. And we, Paskin, it's a reshut, and therefore we say Kaddish, and we break between this smikol gulot tefillah, and in Ochanam, we pass like Rova over Rabbi Yochanan in this situation. Alright, Dana Rabbanan. This is a famous, famous story. The Gemara continues all the way into tomorrow's Amud. We'll get the beginning of the story and complete the rest of it tomorrow. Maseh betamid achad shabad lifnei Rabbi Yoshua. Talmud came to Rabbi Yeshua, Amalei Tfilat Arvit, Rishut O'Chuva. Is Mariv Rishut O'Chuva? Amalei Rishut. Rabbi Yeshua, Shittato, says it's a Rishut. Badly, Fnei Rabbi Gamliel, Amalei Tfilat Arvit, Rishut O'Chuva. He goes to Rabbi Gamliel and asks him the same question. Amalei Chuva. Says that it's an obligation, just like his Shittat. The Shittatam, they answered him. So Amalei, Vila Rabbi Yeshua, Amalei Rishut. Didn't Rabbi Yeshua tell me that it's a Rishut? Now this person, this Talmud did something wrong. You're not allowed to go around and ask different people the psak. The Ramal Paskins that you are allowed to do that when you indicate to the second person that you got a psak from the first person already. Had he gone to Rabbi Gamliel and said, Rabbi Yeshua said it was a Rishut, then he could have asked Rabbi Gamliel the opinion. Here he asked Rabbi Gamliel first, and then only afterwards told him that he had asked Rabbi Yeshua already, which is problematic. Wait for the Tamid Chachamim, the battlers, to come into the Beit Midrash, in the Tamid Chachamim. So they began the learning, and they got up, they answered the questioner and said, Is it a Rishud or a Chobah? So Amalei Rabbi Gamliel, Chobah. Rabbi Gamliel answers that it's an obligation. Amalei Rabbi Gamliel, Chachamim, Kumi Yishadam, Shcholek, B'davarzeh. Anybody argue on me? Amalei Rabbi Yishud, love. Nobody argues on you. Amalei, Valo Mishmech, Amruli, Rishud. I heard over in your name that that's not what you say, that you say really it's a Rishud. Stand up. And they'll testify against you. That Talmud was there. Let him testify that he heard from Rabbi Yeshua that it's a Rishut. If I was alive and this Talmud was dead or the person who asked me was dead, I could contradict the one who was dead because he couldn't come back and argue with me. 
I'm alive and he's alive. I can't deny that I gave that psak that it's a rishut. Gamliel continued to be sitting and doresh. But Rabshua made al raglav, and Rabshua was left standing. Rabbi left him. until the people started to murmur. Amod, stop. The chutzpidatugaman is the equivalent of a microphone, a megaphone for Rabbi Gamliel. So when he dashes, he tells that to chutzpidatugaman, and then he repeats it loudly, and if necessary, translates it into the colloquial. So they told him stop doing that for Rabbi Gamliel. Vamadi stop. Amre, they said, How long is Rabbi Gamil going to treat Rabbi Yeshua like this? Last year on Rosh Hashanah, he did the same thing. He did the same thing by Bechorot in the case of Rabbi Tzadok. This is the third time he's done this. Let's remove him. The case of Rosh Hashanah is that they had a machloket about the day on which Rosh Hashanah should fall. They had a machloket with regards to the Eidut HaChodesh. Rabbi Shua, therefore, had a different Rosh Hashanah and a different Yom Kippur than Rabbi Gamliel. Rabbi Gamliel made Rabbi Yeshua come on the day that was Yom Kippur for Rabbi Yeshua. He made him come to Rabbi Gamliel with his staff and all his paraphernalia in order that he would be violate Yom Kippur, the Shittato. That's one case. The case of the Bechor is a case where Rabbi Tzadok fed his Bechor from a basket and the lip got cut on the basket. So over there, the halacha is that the chamim say in that instance, you cannot be shochet the bechor on that mum, because we assume that the person did it on purpose in order to cause a cut. But here we're talking about Rabbi Tzadok, who's a chaver. He didn't do it on purpose, it was an accident. So the question is, do we differentiate in the halacha between a chaver like Rabbi Tzadok and an amaretz? Rabbi Yeshua said yes, Rabbi Gamaliel says no. So again over there, the same stories like we had over here, he made Rabbi Yeshua stand up, and Rabbi Shua says, no, I never said it. And then they have a testimony that he did say it. And Rabbi Gamliel left him standing up, very slimmer to our case over here. So three cases in where Rabbi Gamliel was pogay on the cover of Rabbi Yeshua. So now they said, Tabin Avre, we're going to remove him from this seal. Rabbi Gamliel was the Nasi at the time. Let's remove him from his position. But who are we going to replace him with? Nukim, Rabbi Yeshua. If you're going to put Rabbi Yeshua in his place, Baal Maisal. He's part of the Sikhsuch, the argument here, even though Rabbi Yeshua was somewhat innocent here. It would hurt Rabbi Gamliel terribly if they put Rabbi Yeshua in his place. So Nukmei Rabbi Yekiva, let's have Rabbi Yekiva in place him. Dilma Anishlei. Maybe Rabbi Gamliel will daven and have him be punished. Because of Rabbi Yekiva's history, we know the story, the famous story of Rabbi Yekiva. He does not have Shutavot to protect him if Rabbi Gamliel davens against him. Ela Nukma the Rabbi Lozer ben Azariya. We're going to appoint Rabbi Lozer ben Azariya as Nasi, the Hu Chacham. Vu Ashir, first of all, he is a Talmud Chacham. Number two is he is wealthy. And he's a tenth generation from Ezra. If we ask questions, he'll be able to answer them. He's wealthy. If we have to go and placate the Caesar or the government officials, he'll go along and he'll work with us, either because his wealth is at risk or he'll use his wealth to placate him. He's a tenth generation from Ezra. That he has chutavalu matzi anishlei, and Rabbi Gamliel vidavins will not hurt him. Atu v'amrulei nechalei lamar labi reish metivta. They said to him, "Do you want to become the Rosh Hashiva?" Let me go check with my household. Azav imlech b'tivitu. Mara says he went and checked with his wife. That before he took on a position of power, he had to check in with his wife. It happens to be that it might be a good idea in general to do that, but it also might be that becoming a person of the public. And serving the public takes away from the person's ability to deal with his family and his wife. 
And therefore, he has to ask permission before he subjugates himself to the tzibor and takes on the Ola tzibor, he has to get permission from his family who has the first right of refusal on his time. And therefore, he went to check with his wife. Others want to suggest it has to do with the owner of his wife. The owner changes between a Talmud Chacham versus someone who is a Nasi. And Nasi's owner is once every 30 days, whereas a Talmud Chacham's owner is once a week. And therefore, over here, he was changing his owner, he had to get permission from his wife to do that. Amrulay, she said to him, Dilma Mavrin Maybe they're gonna take you away also. Maybe they're gonna remove you from the Siyot. So why bother? If they knocked out Rabbi Gamliel, who says they won't knock you out? A person should use an expensive cup, even though tomorrow might break. As Rashi points out, talking about a glass, very expensive glass, wealthy people, they use these glass cups, even though there's a possibility they're going to break, or that in the future they will break. You use it, when you have it, in order to enjoy it. You don't worry about it breaking the next day. So, so too here, with the going into power being the Nasi, you enjoy it while you have it. If they remove you, you won't have it anymore, but you at least enjoy it while you have it. Basically, better to have loved and lost than to never have loved at all. So, You do not have white or gray in your hair, which is a sign of zigna, of being a elder. Sometimes a darshan should be someone who is an older of the community, meaning it's a certain amount of stature and kavod that comes with that. So he was 18 years old on that day. A miracle happened. He had 18 white streaks appear in his beard. And that is from the Mishnah at the end of the first parak, where Rabbi Lazar ben Azariah says, As if I'm 70 years old, but not actually 70 years old, because he was 18. He just looked like he was 70 because he got those white streaks in his beard. Okay, we'll stop over here.